and welcome to Redefining Alpha, a podcast series for sales leaders. I'm one of your hosts, Frida Odeson, VP of US Sales at Cognizant. I'll be interviewing a range of forward-thinking sales leaders on how and why B2B buying behavior has changed, and we'll be unpacking why these trends are important for Outbound. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Julia. Welcome to the Redefining Outbound podcast. We're excited to have you. Amazing. Hi, Frida. I'm so happy to be here. Um, can we just start by like, have you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, I'm Julia Gilliditz. I have a background, an interesting one for sales, I would say. I started out as a software engineer, uh, realized pretty quickly that uh, my, my coworkers wanted to solve the hairiest technical problem, and I really wanted to have business impact. So I uh, moved on over to the business impact side, client-facing side, did many years in uh, client success and account management and customer support in bringing in revenue under every possible uh, title under the sun until eventually realizing that, yes, that is right. I really love uh, owning and growing and delivering revenue. And so, um, yeah, I have a background of uh, revenue leadership and primarily dev tools since my background is software engineering. And uh, uh, today I am an LP over a GTM fund and also a um, investor at a few different startups and an interim CRO at Uplevel. Cool. Very nice. That's a very interesting background that you don't hear about that often, people making that switch. So I have a couple of questions for you today that I'm super excited to dig into around that. Um, Before we dive in, uh, one thing that we start by asking every person who comes on the podcast is... What does redefining outbound mean to you? Yeah, what a great question. Um, For me, in a nutshell, redefining outbound means it's more than ever about the person that you're trying to reach and getting back to that, right? And remembering every word you choose, every single thing you do, it's about them and it's not about you. And that's what it means these days when there is just extra volume, extra noise out there. Uh, that's how you stand out. Mm-hmm. So no, like, hey, just reaching out, just checking in. None of that all about like providing value for that person. None of even my name is they just don't care yet, right? You have to get them to care. You have to get to that mini yes first. Over time, they'll care about you if if you get there. But for now, it's about them. Got it. Yeah, makes complete sense. Um, so recently on LinkedIn, you spoke about a bottom-up sort of technical tactical approach um, as a yeah. way to reach decision makers. Uh, I was wondering if you can expand on that a little bit for the listeners. Yeah, it's um, it's twofold. One, again, so much noise out there, right? It's really hard to reach out to somebody and nail that messaging right away. Um, and stand out and have them actually potentially read it and at the same time, you know, want to respond to it and be something more than generic that whatever your your actual, you know, value proposition is. Um, The best way to actually stand out is to speak their language. The best way is to have insight into specifically what's going on in their world and their teams um, and in their life. And the best way to do that is to, to speak to people on their teams. So yes, it's an extra step, but you could make you know 300 phone calls today and connect with four 
or send an additional add an additional three hundred folks to your uh, you know to your um, uh, cadence maybe <laughs> in the week uh, and see what kind of percent response rate you get there, or you can actually take a chance and say. I am going to be more strategic. I'm not going to go for this spray and payment mentality. I'm going to narrow it down into a set of accounts that I want to penetrate. I'm going to get to know deeply. And I'm going to care about talking to people that aren't necessarily going to be the decision makers. So I'll start maybe not with Frida, but Frida, maybe somebody on your team. And especially, you know, they're an account executive. Hey, hi, I'm at Nay. Would you chat with me real quickly? This is what I'm working on. I'd love to get your thoughts. I'm not selling you anything. I just love to see if I'm actually uh, onto something over here. And you'd be surprised how many people at your level would would give you the time of day and actually have a conversation. And now you have that intel. Now you also have a potential ask, well, hey, if this resonates, will you introduce me to Frida? <laughs> um, but even if you don't get there, now there is a message that is just it is going to contain so much more information than what you had before. It's incredible, everything that you've learned there. Maybe you learned Frida jogs at 6 a.m. Maybe you learned there's a particular new goal right now, today, that's happening, that's brand new, came down as of last week that aligns perfectly with what you're able to to um, uh, to help you know uh, achieve. So it, this is how you get that custom intel. This is how you get the, the, the extra oomph um, in your outreach. Yeah. And back to what you said about redefining outbound, right? Being that like, what matters to them? What do they care about? It's all in their interest. Um, exactly. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant strategy and something that we also oftentimes do selling sales intelligence, right? We talk to the reps, uh, we involve the reps in, in POCs, um, in trials, uh, all that. And like, that's where most of the like actual day-to-day issues come from. Cause they know exactly what the struggles are. Management might not know that because they're not in the tools day to day. That's brilliant because they are the ones that are actually the users. At the end of the day, they'll be the ones championing it and the ones who who are going to care whether that's what they use every day or not. Love it. Yeah. So with your background in mind, if we put this into a more technical context, so if you wanted to reach technical decision makers, such as like uh, VP of engineering, CTO, CIOs, um, are there any nuances to this approach? Like, how would you tailor this approach then? First of all, my hat's off to you because this is hard. It's extra hard. That's the group of folks who, uh, I mean, they don't want to be marketed to and they don't want to be sold to. That's just how it goes, right? They're allergic to marketing. They're allergic to sales. Um, or at least uh, marketing speak and salesy-esque kind of approach so first piece of advice is cut out all the fluff. Just go through, take the extra time to go through and remove any f- flowery additions to whatever it is that you're looking to say that's not exactly fact. If you're like, we are the number one X, Y, Z, well, number one by whom, from whom, instantly defenses go up, right? Um, you know, we help you get the best outcome of it. Well, what does that mean, right? So read every single word that you write that you and the, as part of your message that you want to get across and 
check it as if it's basically a computer program. What is the definition? Or check your math facts, your definitions there, right? Um, what is the definition of that? If it's not a clear, exact definition, you cut it out and you exchange it with something that is clear and exact. Um, and another reminder is they, they are still people, actually. And at the end of the day, I think we've forgotten that the best way to get people hooked are really stories. Um, so grab that, you know, you, what's your, who, who is a, a customer that you have that also is in the perhaps similar space as them, but also, um, you know, tech or tech forward, what have you done for them? And in the most succinct way possible, tell the story of how you were able to, to get wins for them. Right. And let that story kind of show, don't tell, speak for itself. And then you are just displaying facts and you're not over-promising anything or, mar- you know, or trying to be salesy and, and, um, and, and uh, less chances of their defenses going up on you. Mm-hmm. And would this like bottom-up uh, approach, does that work as well or maybe even better for like technical decision makers specifically? Like what are your thoughts there? Uh, it definitely works, but it's also just really hard to get a hold of of an ICs that are technical and get them to want to speak with you. So it's hard. Um, I, the trade-off that you always have also in, in that bottoms up approach is that it does take more time. So you have to, you have to take that into consideration with whatever number you have to hit with your, as you make your prospecting plan basically for the quarter and as you're building your pipeline for the year, whatever it is that you're doing, have to take that into account. You better be doing it every single day, right? And ensuring because it's it's going to take you longer. That said, you are going to build better deals. You are going to be able to, as you take as you learn how to do this and you perfect this process and over time, the pipeline that you build may not be for today, may not be for next quarter, but as you build this out, you are going to end up with uh, a stronger pipeline there than you would if you were just praying and praying, especially these days. Yeah. That's a good point to sort of slow it down to speed it up. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Cool. So we have cut out all the, the fluff, uh, storytelling, um, you know, think about the invest long term, right? In your uh, outreach approach. Any other like advice for uh, and kudos to all the sales reps out there selling a super technical product, right? Any other Huge advice? Your perspective? Yes. Um, never go against the current is my advice, uh, which is just essentially. It's nice to want to you know, bite off challenges and there's always markets for that. And there are times for that if you're over your number or you project yourself to be and you want to add someone on that you're not going to, you know, that will take time and you're going to get there. Perfect. But, you know, be realistic with where you're at and with where the market is at and where you and your product, your company have been seeing success. So in other words, go after the ones that you are able to draw similarities with where you will likely see success. Have you seen success in the financial sector? Great. Grab some, you know, prospects over there that you can go after. Um, Of course, take into account a sales cycle in a highly regulated industry like that. But um, 
if you haven't, then maybe don't bite off something like that and pursue it and expect to close within, you know, just a few quarters or something, right? So like, just be realistic, assess what you, what has worked and see if you can replicate it. Or the same thing with not necessarily just you across the team. What has worked for the team? Why? What are some patterns that you are able to see? Watch some of their gongs. Like, what are you able to pick up? What can you repeat so that you're not recreating the wheel? And you're not, it's nice to be brilliant and new and and have some amazing wins, but it's also nice to be able to have a repeatable process for yourself that you can go after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And one thing I think is a little bit specific, I mean, all all sort of, parts have this, but I think the tech world especially is it's very like um, community based. So like there are strong communities, people um, connect a lot. They talk about like the latest, the newest things. It's very like nerdy in that sense. People love exchanging information with like peers. Um, So I wonder if referrals is something you've seen work here like more than in other parts. Yes, like hands down that are a little bit more of like a uh, word of mouth versus referral, like, like, you know, a developer will Mm -hmm. let another developer know of a product, they're not going to introduce you as a salesperson Mm -hmm. to someone they never, you know, throw their beard to the wolves, so to speak. (laughs) They wouldn't lose their, you know, reputation like that. But if they love a product, they will absolutely pass that on. And quite often, that is one of the ways that technical products really spread that is the truest way that you know that you're able to penetrate a market is if you have developer love. And that is quite often what is pursued by companies that are um, aiming to, to capture that audience. But you yeah, are that's spot such, on. Yeah. yeah, that's such an interesting performance from like selling to salespeople. Like they love making that introduction if they, you know, believe in the product. They will make intros all day. <laughs> <laughs> it is such a different beast. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, again, you just saw all the sales reps out there selling uh, to, uh, you know, technical decision makers. Uh, <laughs> That sounds like an interesting one. Um, another thing that um, I know you talked about that I find very interesting is just like it can be easy to make assumptions about how a sales process should operate. Uh, and especially in this like economic climate, this day and age, um, it's become even more sort of dangerous to make um, assumptions. Um, and I know you spoke a while ago about um, leaders having to let go of the word, like using the word should. Um, can you expand on that a little bit more? Like, I'd love to dig into that. Yeah, Oof, this can apply in so many ways. The most common, you know, controversial or just like disliked, I guess, this goes up and down. I think different parts of the chains of the should is, is there even numbers to hit and like what to measure folks on? And, um, you know, if, during a market time like this, it, I don't think any sales folks are going to be very motivated by being given numbers that are just feeling out of reach, right? And so like, yes, we should hit this number because our company is growing three times, et cetera. But guess what? That's, um, you you know, you're just going to alienate your sales force for the most part and most likely just miss that which you could have gotten if you would have gotten a little bit closer to what you could get and what you 
um, realistically will most likely be able to go after rather than what you should have in this ideal world that's like disconnected from the reality of today. So um, I, I know I'm not going to get a lot of love for that, but <laughs> but the reality is, is um, it is it's just nice to ground yourself and where things are and make a plan for where you want to be. So it's not like there's no place for shooting for the stars, but you have to get there incrementally and not try to just completely maximize and burn out your entire team and and everyone's motivation at one go. So the, the you know, there is the, hey, we should be doing, we should be growing like this, but okay. In the meanwhile, what can we do right now? How can we set up ourselves up for success? Um, because otherwise what's going to happen is your team's going to get desperate and they're going to do the spray and pray, which is not going to set them up for anything, right? And adding an additional 100, 200, 300, uh, you know, context into, into a, some sequence out there, like this is not you know, 2009 or whatever it is, we're, um, hi, welcome 2023. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's like the show is no longer going to help you. It's not going to, and the market isn't there where if you just push someone, you'll make something, you'll just make it happen. Someone will push it through and, and, you know, maybe actually it turns out that Jennifer knows the, the person who's there, you know, and walks it in and you end up closing it because they have the budget and it's before like no one even has the budget these days. These days you're, you're creating budget. So you have to be so strategic and just open your eyes to what is going on, what is closing your deals. And then basically reverse engineer that and strategically, you know, set up seeds for continuously to be able to grow that versus, you know, here is a multiple that we should be hitting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, I, I hear many leaders right now, they're almost planning for it getting worse right now uh, in terms of the economic climate. And like now more than ever, it's important to build in Slack into your plan to allow for exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. Um, Exactly. And to do it again, to do it smartly, strategically, not just, oh, we're not going to hit our numbers. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying just like, let your guard down, now go after anything. That isn't what I'm saying. But I'm saying be specific and not just a number crunch that used to work projections wise a few years ago when everything, you know, was hunky dory (laughs) budget wise and everyone had money to spend. (laughs) We didn't appreciate that enough. (laughs) I feel like. We, we never do, right? We'll be remembering those year, those those good old days for years to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those were the days. Um, yeah, and I think that like the story I've heard around that, and again, this is like through the grapevine, this might be like the, the rat and the pizza version for sales, but uh, the opposite story of that that I heard of was a guy started a new company and he came in and he like immediately sold a deal that was 3x uh, larger than any other deal the company had sold because he, he just didn't know better. Like he didn't have any of those like should, like this is what we should quote, uh, you know, this is what we normally do. Um, and he just didn't know. So he just went on and sold, sold a much better, de- like bigger deal. Uh, so I think there's that potential upside too when you take away those like metrics. 
Absolutely. Now that, of course, speaks to doing pricing eval eval like evaluations and just audits of what you can do there, um, what you can sell, how, like what, you know, maybe it's it's a automatic augment of some sort of a service that you can provide that you're doing with your product. Maybe, I mean, you know, the world's your oyster in that sense in terms of evaluating what you're offering and what you can, um, what there is room to upcharge for. But I, I love that. Um, I love that positive spin as well that, yeah, there's definitely a world in which just by removing any sort of glass ceiling should, um, you just knock it out of the stars as well, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Disclaimer, this was probably before this uh, terrible economic climate. <laughs> so. I, I wasn't sure, but I mean, uh, there's got to be at least one story out of there. I will say whoever's learning to sell right now, like right now, it's, it's uh, you know, you will, you will learn tools, you will learn ways that will serve you for like a lifetime in this profession. It's kind of like, I always say, you know, I, I learned to to parallel park on my very first car, which was this ginormous 80s Cadillac. <laughs> basically a classic. I hated it. Um, now I don't hate it as much in hindsight, but, um, and it was like a boat. And, but guess what? From then on, I just, I knew how to par parallel park any car. And I think it's kind of the same idea right now is if you, you know, everything that, that is learned today, everything, um, but sales wise, like these are actually, this is the, the art of the trade. These will be the tools that matter that you will take with you for the rest of the career. Yeah, it's like if your team can do okay in this economic climate, imagine how much you're going to crush it. Exactly. Um, and all the ways, all the processes that you set up today, like they're going to be solid gold, right? And um, so all the learnings, all the all all the blood, sweat, and tears of this of this climate, and um, all the processes will will definitely get you there. Um, be able to get you to accelerate things uh, a few years from now. Hopefully, when we're the, when we're in a better market, right? <laughs> uh, amazing. So, are there any other best practices for multi-threading um, that we haven't spoken about already? Um, I, kind of the norms, I'm sure. I mean, multi-threading, right? Get all your don't multi-thread. I mean, this is kind of like golden rule number one: don't multi-thread at the end when you're six weeks away from getting it over the finish line, right? You're multi-thread from the beginning, get your pay, is your CS person connected to their CS person? Is there just get in as many as you can, even from from that aspect of it, even those who may be not involved in the deal? Um, definitely executive alignment um, sooner, right? Get the opportunity. I think um, there was some podcast I was actually listening to if I was, I'm, I'm, getting over something nasty, nasty bug over here. Um, hopefully not a new version of COVID, but uh, thankfully no one can catch anything on the waves. Um, and uh, so my brain's kind of blinking on what I was listening to, but um, someone awesome was basically saying, uh, CEO of a company was saying, hey, um, give me the opportunity to build a relationship so that I can come in and save the day when the time is right. Um, and I'll have to, I'll, I'll have to see who this is and ping you after Frida for like post post credit or something because they deserve it. But um, I, I think that's so critical, right? Is um, uh, do that exact alignment sooner, uh, get everyone kind of across your finance to their finance if possible, you know, et cetera. And, um, and just as, I, I mean, do it. I think it's incredible how many, um, even though there's so many stakeholders that are required now um, and, uh, you know, now more than ever purchases are done in, in committees, but 
even with that said, it's it's amazing how how um, how much people are still staying to what is required rather than ensuring to kind of go out beyond that and and make you know still making kind of uh, connections and entry points and you know beyond whatever like the the actual path is. So just do it, and you'd be you'll already be so far ahead of the game. <laughs> Yeah, and I think a, a good point to reach out is before you've had that first conversation with someone on the team, because that's what the point where you're not going over someone's head, right? After you've had that first conversation, and if they don't want to introduce you, you're gonna have to go over their head, and that's sort of you know not ideal always, but you have sometimes you just have to do it. But if you reach out before you've had that first conversation, it's you know green light. That's a great point. That's a great perspective. Another thing that um, that I've seen done a lot also is kind of after that initial one and, and starting to send. So like exec wise, something AEs can do is send like status reports, not status, but essentially, hey, you know, I, um, hey, Frida, I just spoke to someone on your team. We're exploring XYZ because we know that, you know, ABC is a pain point. We had an awesome conversation. Nothing required from you at this time. Um, but just wanted to let you know that we're exploring this, right? And and just sending that in regularly and they're not going over someone's head, they're not asking to meet with you, not asking for anything of your time, but now starting already to be on your radar. Would you? T- how would you take to something like that? Yes, I love that idea. I think like that's just something that reps usually forget because they're like, oh, I need to talk to this person, right? I need to get them on a meeting, but that's not always like the best outcome. And it's like understanding like, um, I always tell my team, they're going to like be so annoying when they hear this, but like, <laughs> I always like uh, bug them about the next yes. Like, what is the next yes that you need? Right. Um, and that could be just like keeping them in the loop. Like you don't necessarily like, need them on a call right now. Exactly. That's, it, that's a great point. It, and what is the ask? And the ask at that point isn't, it isn't even a conversation, right? Like exactly what you said, that the, the ideal that that's that ideal kind of uh, part of that step is just keeping you in the loop. So hopefully you read it. And if you know in advance or no action is required, maybe put it in the, in the subject, maybe a higher chance you'll read it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, awesome. All right. We've sort of gone full circle from like multi-threading uh, down like the bottoms up and then up, up and down approach. Um, <laughs> I love that we've gone all, all the way around the circle. Um, but to finish up, like what would you recommend sales leaders to start, stop and continue doing for the remainder of 2023 as we're finishing out this interesting year in sales? <laughs> ah, what an inter- interesting, is like unprecedented times. I'll never forget how that entered our <laughs> vocabulary. Um, I, so I think in terms of, um, hi, it's funny which way to start these and how, but start. So, um, you know, for the, for the great ones, this I'm sure does not apply, but I think there are still a lot of leaders who are leading from the top type of thing and just, um, you know, still kind of, still leading in the same way they weigh before here's here's your advice here's here is basically you've got this you can do it here's your pressure here's here's what you gotta hit but the reality is is the times are different so start being more involved and start enabling your team more 
Um, they need your input. This is not right now. These right now is not a time where everyone's like out on their own and <laughs> left to the to the wolves kind of a thing. So whether that means that you got to see what it's like and and um, do some more, be on the ground a little bit more and see what it's like so that you don't feel like your team's underperforming so that you can see how hard it is and it gets your brain working on how you could help your team um, to be able to differentiate at this particular time to just enable your team a little bit more to be able to, hey, everyone's got different strengths, right? Like how can you figure out the strength of one person and help pass it on to the other, like, you know, so enable that kind of cross-functional learning because everyone's too busy selling individually. Um, so that's the start. Um, and uh, I, I mean, continue, continue leading. I don't know at this point, continue understanding that it's still 2023. <laughs> and uh, stop. I mean, I'm just going to say it. If you're one of those asshole leaders, stop that. <laughs> No, that's not going to work. And no one needs that right now. Like no one needs to be beat down when when times are, you know, tough. Like, you know, just uh, like lead with your passion. There's a reason you're there. There's a reason you think they could do this, you know, Uh, show them why. Give them an example where, you know, were you an all-star seller at some point? jump on in and, and like ignite them to see what they, what it could be like and um, help them give them that confidence and unleash the the power within them with the confidence not with like do the carrot not the stick nobody needs any more sticks right now <laughs> yeah there are enough sticks as it is out there <laughs> there's enough sticks nobody needs more sticks <laughs> yeah, Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julia. Those were some great uh, final words of wisdom to end the podcast on. Thank you so much for, for coming on. It was great having you. Thanks for having me. Great to see you again, Frida.